the end of the line for the end of the line. Maybe? California's death row is being dismantled. We're in the process now of pushing that population out of the row, the physical death row. But Governor Gavin Newsom's move to empty out death row is just the Golden State's latest attempt in a long line of attempts to do away with capital punishment once and for all. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. It's Wednesday, February 16th, 2022. Today, is Newsom's push really the end of the death penalty in California? Pat Morrison is one of my fellow columnists at the Los Angeles Times. Pat, welcome to The Times. Hey, Gustavo. Okay, so California's death row in San Quentin State Prison. Biggest in the nation. More than 700 convicts right now, right there. All of those people are still supposedly going to get executed someday. But now they're getting moved out. Three years ago, Governor Newsom put a moratorium on executions. Is this latest move related to that? It is. It's about dismantling the country's largest death row. Uh, This is what voters voted for in 2016. At the same time, get your head around this. They ordered the state to speed up executions, but they said, let's move the condemned to other prisons. We want them to start working, paying reparations. And this effectively empties out one of the most infamous sections of one of the most infamous prisons in the nation. And if it seems like there was ever a moment to end the death penalty in California, it's now. The voters want it gone, and so does Newsom. He is opposed to the death penalty. I think there's other ways to hold people to account. Uh, Life imprisonment without the possibility of parole being foundationally one of them. We're one of the few industrial nations in the world that still sentences its population to death. He's trying to use all the mechanisms at his disposal as a sitting governor, which aren't as extensive as you might think, to make that happen. Are their sentences now different if they're all getting moved out? And do you think this is the real official last gasp of the death penalty in California? Their sentences have not technically been commuted. They are still under sentence of death. However, the practical effect of this is that there will be, for the foreseeable future, at least the Gavin Newsom future, no more executions in the state of California. This was controversial because in 1972, when the state Supreme Court cleaned out death row, those people who were there were given new sentences, which was life with the possibility of parole. And that riled a lot of people, which is why the voters put the death penalty back into place. Oy, this history. Voters don't want the death penalty one year, then want it the following year, and they elect politicians who vote to ban it, then elect people who vow to protect the death penalty. It's a damn whipsaw. This is all back and forth stuff. The courts will say it's cruel and or unusual punishment, throw it out. The voters will come back in and say, no, we still want it. The courts will say you can't hang people. And the people will come back and say, all right, let's do the gas chamber. Then the courts will say you can't do the gas chamber. All right, let's have a lethal injection. Coming up, we talk about some of the cases that have pushed public sentiment about the death penalty back and forth between loving it and hating it.
And we're back with my colleague, LA Times columnist, Pat Morrison. Pat, you're a history nerd. I'm a history nerd. Let's history nerd together. So Newsom obviously cannot stand the death penalty, and he vows to take it down once and for all. But he's not the first crusader on this issue to try to ban the death penalty in California, like not even close. And the people on the other side who want the death penalty in, they're not the first people in this state's history. So what is the history of the death penalty in California? Uh, There was a death penalty before there was a state of California, certainly when it was a Spanish outpost, when it was a Mexican outpost. But even when we were a state, for the first 40 years that we were a state, it was the counties, not the states, that executed the condemned. And all of that doesn't take into account all that tree stump rough justice that was meted out during the gold rush in mining towns and in outraged towns where people just hang the guilty and the innocent. Yeah, this state's history is filled with lynchings up and down the state. But when it comes to the death penalty, the officially sanctioned death penalty, there's an infamous case that happened in 1885 in downtown L.A. And like you said, it wasn't the state putting people to death back then. It was counties like L.A. County. The counties had the authority and the counties were bound by the Constitution to make these private executions. It's not like other states where you saw, you know, thousands of people who would buy tickets for hangings. But even so, this execution, a double execution in March of 1885 from a couple of killers, they set it up almost like a stage set. It was 20 feet square, seven feet tall, was all covered with canvas, supposedly to stop what the LA Times called promiscuous sightseeing. And yet the hills around this hanging spot in downtown LA, at least 6,000 people, that's like half the city's population, out on rooftops and hillsides trying to look as Rodolfo Silvas and Francisco Martinez were being hanged. And so people just got as tightly packed as they could to watch what was going on. You had men with pen knives who were hacking splintery bits out of the fence around the jail just to try to get a little peephole to look at this hanging. Damn, that's extra. But the state of California took over all executions by the end of the 1800s, and the state did away with hangings and started to use a gas chamber Why did that change take place? It took a long time, and hangings were then being seen as kind of backwards, as kind of frontier justice. Then they started using the gas chamber because that was more humane, the idea that hanging was cruel. And of course, if it wasn't done well, you could hang there and strangle for 10 or 15 minutes. But the gas chamber was supposed to solve all of this, and yet it didn't exactly do that. There was even a poor pig that was used as part of the cliché, the guinea pig, to test the so-called humanity of the gas chamber. Uh, San Quentin had a prison farm, and some luckless pig was chosen to be, as you say, the literal guinea pig in the gas chamber. But it took 35 minutes for this pig to die, and yet the prison official said, oh, no, no, it's not going to take anywhere near that long for a human to die. Ay, pobrecito pig. But despite its horrible death, the state of California moved forward with the gas chamber. I mean... In the 1930s, they used it to execute a little over 100 men. And then in the 1940s, there was a man named Alfred Wells who had a sad story involving it. Well, Alfred Wells was not unfamiliar with the workings of the gas chamber because he'd already been in San Quentin on some burglary rap. And he had helped to build the gas chamber, the pipes, the fittings, the gauges. He had worked under, obviously, the direction of others to put the gas chamber together before it was put into use in 1938. Next thing you know, he's back in San Quentin on death row for a triple murder and has to go to his death in the device that he himself helped to build. 
So Alfred Wells and others who were executed with this new method, did they suffer any less than the people who had been hanged before them? Oh, there were horrible things that happened. This poor pig at 35 minutes, people were taking 9, 10, 12, 15 minutes to die in the gas chamber, which was supposed to be a humane means of execution. So the argument was, look, this is definitely not humane. Someone is sitting in there struggling to breathe, knowing that there's cyanide sitting under your butt, the fumes waving up into your nose, into your nostrils, into your lungs. And so these executions were so grisly that finally there was a move to say, what else is out there that we can do? And also some early moves toward getting rid of the death penalty. There were two San Quentin wardens who said, this is not a good idea. One of them, Clinton Duffy, who wrote about this, said he'd never heard of a rich man being executed in California. He said capital justice is not equal justice. And he didn't use the word racism, but that's clearly what he was talking about. So by the 60s, Duffy wasn't alone in his thinking and public sentiment started swaying away from the death penalty. And that resulted in the time between executions in California growing longer and longer. And then a few horror stories about how gruesome some of those executions started going out to the public. And that shifted opinion away from capital punishment even more. April 1967, there was a condemned cop killer who just went over the edge at the prospect of being executed. He's cutting his forearm with a piece of metal. He's saying, I am the second coming of Jesus. He strikes the crucifixion pose. He smears blood on his palms. And he's standing there naked saying, this is the blood of Jesus Christ. I am going to save the world. There was an artist there named Howard Brody who was sketching this for television because, of course, nobody was allowed to photograph these. And Brody said, look, I've covered four wars. I witnessed the execution of three enemy soldiers during the Battle of the Bulge, but I have never seen anything more dehumanizing. There was another man who slit his own throat and had to be dragged to the gas chamber with blood spurting over the guards, over his shirt, leaving a trail along the hallway, and to be strapped in, gurgling his own blood, even as he was being executed. This is the kind of thing that not only turns stomachs, it turns people's opinions. And then not only was it people's opinions, but also the courts, because I remember the U.S. Supreme Court stayed executions for a while, but so did the California Supreme Court. The argument was whether the point of cruel and unusual was cruel or unusual. Did it have to be both? Did it have to be one or the other to be unconstitutional? And the California State Court in, in 1972 struck down capital punishment saying it was cruel or unusual. And that's what commuted all of the death row sentences to life in prison with the possibility of parole. That included Charles Manson. That included Sirhan Sirhan, the assassin of Robert F. Kennedy. That was what was so controversial that the next year Californians went to the ballot and said, no, sir, we want our death penalty back. And who was a main proponents of bringing back the death penalty? Was it law enforcement or was it just the voters themselves? You had a lot of law enforcement, you had a lot of families, you had the Manson murders of only a few years earlier, which were particularly heinous. Victims' families were very ardent in their support of the death penalty. And so in the law and in public opinion, it still had a lot of support. And the sense was, all right, if the court says this part of it is illegal, let's find a way to make it legal again. And that was through a proposition in 1972. That was Proposition 17, reintroducing the death penalty in California. It was, you know, Gustavo, we get to do makeovers in California <laughs> with the referendum and the initiative process. 
And this went to a vote and it got two-thirds of support from the voters. And so rather than saying cruel and unusual, it said that, well, it kind of doesn't matter because we don't think the death penalty is cruel or unusual anyway. So what voters decided was, once again, the law. Despite Proposition 17, there were no executions for over two decades, in part because there was all this litigation and even a court case that halted capital punishment. But then in the 1990s, it came back. The death penalty returned to California after 25 years. It returned in 1992 under Governor Pete Wilson. And this was a particularly callous and heinous crime. Not that murder is ever anything but, but this was the murder of two teenage boys in San Diego. And I wrote a big piece about this, Gustavo, and it still stays with me to this day. Robert Alton Harris and his brother had just robbed a bank and looking for a getaway car, they happened upon a car with two 16-year-old boys inside. The boys had just bought jack-in-the-box lunches to take with them when they went fishing. As Robert Alton Harris took these boys out of their car and marched them off the road and down into, I believe, an arroyo, one boy started praying and he mocked this boy. He told them to stop crying and die like men. And after he shot them, he flicked their flesh off his gun and ate their jack-in-the-box burgers and turnovers and fries. Those details were so chilling that juries were turned, the public was turned. And if you were going to choose anyone to start up executions again, Robert Alton Harris was the least sympathetic, perhaps, of all the candidates on death row. And in 1992, he died in the gas chamber and became the first person executed in California in 25 years. So then, after the execution of Harris in the 90s, the state moved away from the gas chamber and started with lethal injections. In 96, serial killer William Bonin was put to death, and he was the first California inmate killed by lethal injection. What motivated that switch? The cruel and unusual punishment challenges went on and on about the gas chamber, and lethal injection then became the default mode, not only in California, but in other states, figuring that, look, if you just gave people drugs and they fell asleep and then died, what could be objectionable about that? We'll be back after this break. And we're back. Okay, Pat, since all these rulings in the 70s and then 80s and 90s and just 13 people have been executed in California since the death penalty came back. And the last one was in 2006. But people are still getting sentenced to death. What's up with that? Because you've got counties that are still imposing the death sentence. It's not a question of whether it will ultimately get imposed. It's the fact that judges and juries think this is the crime, along with prosecutors, think this is the crime that deserves a death sentence. Whether it's carried out is up to the state, and that's out of the hands of the county. But prosecutors, who after all are elected officials as well, have to look at their own constituencies and say, this is what my people in my county want to happen. And the backlog is so big that, you know, 2007, they create a lethal injection chamber and it's never even been used. And in 2019, Newsom shut it down. The lethal injection chamber is still there. The gas chamber is a relic, but the lethal injection chamber is ready should another governor come along 
should another court challenge present itself that says, all right, California, start your engines again. And that gets us back to right now, 2022, and Newsom's emptying out San Quentin's death row, just like we stated at the top. So I got to ask this one more time, Pat. Is the death penalty over in California? Is this latest move the last move and now capital punishment in the Golden State is gone forever, forever, forever for reals? I don't think we can say forever. If you want to bet on it, I'll take your money, Gustavo. We may have new governors. We may have a change in sentiment in California. Something may happen. We had the serial killer era of the 80s and 90s. That kind of thing may happen again, and California voters will change their mind. It's almost as if you need some kind of federal complete ban on this because this power still rests with the states, and each state may choose to do things differently. Illinois is one state that emptied its death row for once and for all. But the power of the governor even to commute sentences or to pardon is not absolute. There have been cases where the governor, Pat Brown, in the Carol Chessman case, was considering whether or not he could commute the sentence of this man, Carol Chessman, but realized that if someone already has a felony conviction on their record, that power is not the governor's absolute power. It has to come with the agreement of the state Supreme Court. So all these powers are balanced by other powers, and it takes a lot to move backwards, but it takes a lot to move forwards too. Finally, Pat, again, you're a history nerd. I'm a history nerd. For you, what does it say, this back and forth with the death penalty in California? What does it say about our state? I think there's still a frontier sensibility here and a a sense of frustration that punishment isn't what we say it is. I think people would be more comfortable if we were to ban the death penalty once and for all than to leave it on the books to sentence people to death and then not do anything about it. That was behind Proposition 17 saying, let's speed it up, the subtext being let's speed it up or get rid of it altogether. A lot of liberal politicians in California, Mayor Tom Bradley, Senator Dianne Feinstein, who over the years changed her point of view, have been liberal Democrats except with the death penalty because they know that that's what voters wanted. I think now as we show ourselves to be a more humane state with more humane standards and compare ourselves to other nations in the world, we may decide that now is finally the time with the voters' will to get rid of it. That's what it's going to take. Politicians may vote out and in changes, may try to end it altogether, but it's the voters' will that's going to have to end it. Pat, thank you so much for this conversation. Un placer. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, the battle over the best way to help people who are homeless. Kinsey Moreland and Angel Carreras were the jefes on this episode. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Kasha Brasalian, and Ashley Brown. Our engineer is Mario Diaz, and our editor is also Kinsey Moreland. Our executive producers are Hasmin Aguilera and Shawnee Hilton, and our theme music is by Andrew Eben. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. Don't make us to put you podcasts. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news on this matter. Gracias. Gracias.